You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Julie Broadway. And I'm Megan Arsman, and you are listening to the special monthly American Horse Council episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 6th, 2023. Good morning, Horse World. It's time to hear from the American Horse Council in this monthly episode of Horses in the Morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. And hello, Julie. How are you today? I'm great, Megan. Good to be back on the air with you. Definitely. It's been a lot of fun so far. This is our second episode, so we want to thank you all for tuning in. And this is a special episode. We're calling it The Youth Are the Future, with many families celebrating graduations this time of year. It's rather appropriate that we talk about how the youth are shaping the horse industry in the future. Today, we're going to highlight two groups dedicated to introducing and encouraging children and young adults to the horse industry and how these programs encourage participation in events and in the industry. I know that I myself am a product of part- participating in groups such as these growing up. I did 4-H. I was a part of the American Quarter Horse Youth Association. Back then, it was the American Junior Quarter Horse Association, as well as the National High School Rodeo Association, not to mention the things that I did in college. So I know I learned a lot, and they definitely made me the person that I am today in everything that I've done. Julie, did you grow up active in youth horse groups? So the answer to that question is a little complicated. I lived on a barrier island off the coast of North Carolina, so there weren't a lot of horses uh, near me. So didn't spend a lot of time on horses as a kid until my parents sent me off to 4-H camp one summer. I took horseback riding lessons, fell in love with it, and went from there. So horses have been in in my life uh, pretty consistently since I was about 12. Yeah, definitely. It's funny how you just get bit just a little bit by that horse bug and and, you know, it's it's the uh, it's probably it's a lot. It's definitely a lot cheaper than therapy and a lot better than kids getting hooked on anything else. So definitely let's jump right in and let's get to talking to our two groups. We're going to talk today with the United States Pony Club, as well as Amplify Horse Racing. Let's get to meeting our first guest. So we're really excited to have our first guest today for this youth episode, and that's the president of the United States Pony Club, Jennifer Sweet. Um, Jennifer, uh, like most young girls, um, had a love for horses, and at the age of 12, she received her first horse as a Christmas gift. Go, mom and dad. Great Christmas (laughs) gift. Uh, She said it was a wonderful, life-altering gift, and she rode and competed locally throughout high school and then, as a young adult, gave up horses for work, marriage, and family. But in 1997, she became involved with the Pony Club when she signed up her $2 for a membership. Um, And she quietly and quickly became a valued volunteer and leader when she stepped up to the plate to do whatever she could for her local club and its members. Uh, And she and her family 
um, reside in Washington State. And if you're not familiar with the Pony Club, I would be really surprised. But the Pony Club is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was established in 1954. It's the largest equine educational organization teaching riding, mounted sports, and the care of horses and ponies. And they really focus on developing leadership, competence, sportsmanship, and responsibility. And that's all the things that we need in our in our youth these days, Jennifer. So with that, um, why don't you take a minute and kick us off for those that aren't familiar with Pony Club and explain a little bit more about some of the programs that you offer. You bet. Um, well, we're an educational or- organization. We teach not only riding skills, but we teach horse management skills. So how to take care of those horses that you have. Um, our education is done through a series of what we call uh, standards, and those standards are tested through certifications. Um Uh, Local level from the D1, which is the first certification that they do, all the way through a C2. There's levels within each of the certifications, the D level, the C level. And then from there, they jump to national uh, certifications, which would be the B and the A level. And many competitors in the Olympics are A-level graduate pony clubbers. We are open to all ages, youth and adults, uh, local level testings. Pony Club is divided, starts at the grassroots level with clubs, and those clubs belong to a region, and all clubs and regions belong to the national organization. So, as an example, where I live in Washington State, we're Western Washington, we have 25 clubs and two or three riding centers, and we're just Western Washington. There are 41 regions in the United States, and over, I think, over 450 clubs in the U.S. as well. That's crazy. I think it's surprising to me on how much it has, how much it has grown and on. I, I think for, for me, I'm located in Indiana and there's, and I did not grow up in pony clubs, but you kind of wonder if it it is nationwide, correct, Jennifer? It is absolutely nationwide, Hawaii and the Virgin Islands and Alaska as well. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So what if you have kids that want to do this, but they don't have their own horse? What what role can they play in Pony Club? There are actually a lot of options. We have what are called Pony Club Riding Centers now, which are uh, typically a barn uh, or an established riding program that uses Pony Club curriculum. And they have horses that they can offer to people who don't have horses to ride. In addition to that, um, recently Pony Club has... Um, set our horse management as a separate track that you can go through up through the certification levels. And you don't have to have a horse to do that. You might, you might have a club that has horses or someone in a club who would loan a horse uh, to someone to utilize, to ride. I know in the club that we belong to with my daughters, we were forever passing around the horses in the club to new people because you think you're going to start with this little pony and quickly your children outgrow the little pony and need to move on to the next level. So, so there is a lot of that that goes on as well. In addition to that, we have an online membership, which offers some access on the USPC's website to educational materials. Um, We are working on building that out uh, even more so, so that, so that there are other online opportunities uh, for groups, for individuals and groups to participate in Pony Club with. That's really cool. Tell me a little bit about the different disciplines that Pony Club teaches. 
Uh, we started out with the traditional uh, English disciplines, eventing, dressage, show jumping, hunt seat. Um, we now offer Western dressage. We also offer a trail. A I believe it's a competitive trail is what it's called. Polo cross games and Gymkhana. Those are all inclusive in Pony Club now. Oh, well, somebody can definitely find their niche wh wherever they want to go with all of those options. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. How do you see that the Pony Club prepares kids for the future and maybe not just in the saddle, but out of the saddle? So horses are the medium through which Pony Club teaches life skills. There is something about having a live animal that you have to take care of and, and on a daily basis, whether it's in your backyard or whether it is at a barn. Um, and there's a, there's a partnership that forms between that animal and, and the individual who's riding, whether it's a, a child or an adult. Um, and that partnership is part of what teaches leadership skills to kids, as well as the leadership that uh, Pony Club teaches through its competitions. Uh, our competitions are team oriented. Um, they are only Pony Club members that participate in it, and they include both horse management as well as riding. Horse management plays in a part of the score, uh, which is a testing of you know what their knowledge is and what they're learning. So through that, they have team captains. They have a process in, in the competition. They have team captains. They have a process by which they can uh, if they're unhappy with a decision that is made, that they can um, question and get answers as to why maybe a point was taken off or something like that. But it truly is, I believe it's just the skills that they learn through riding with that partner partnership with the horse that really does teach them leadership. Because sometimes the horse leads you and sometimes you lead the horse. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I, t I tell my eight-year-old daughter all the time that, you know, being around horses can build confidence in more ways than you can imagine. And if you can manage, if you can manage a thousand pound animal and you're only 70 pounds, then you're stronger than some men can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it has uh, made Pony Club made a very large impact on my daughters. And I believe that part of the reason they are the ladies they are today is because of their experiences in Pony Club, both very organized, very task oriented, very, uh, you know, in different ways because, you know, daughters are different, but they're, they're both very organized. And that's a big piece. You can have to organize your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big piece of how we function later in life. Just out of so, curiosity, talk to me a minute about the demographics of your membership. Um, we, we often hear in the equestrian community that we're mostly female, we're, we're sort of in a certain different age brackets, that kind of thing. What does Pony Club see as the demographics of your membership? Primarily, our membership um, are female. There are uh, boys seem to get involved either at a real young age or maybe a little for a little while in a teenager. And then, and then they kind of disappear. And then I'm not sure how they get back into the horse world, <laughs> but it's primarily female and we have ages. Well, pretty much just about any age. Uh, I don't know that I would want a four-year-old in pony club, but there's nothing saying that you couldn't have a four-year-old in pony club. And we go until you can't ride anymore now. So all ages. Oh, wow. So it's now open for so adults can still be a member of Pony Club. They can. Absolutely. I never realized that. Yeah. 
Yep, we definitely can do that. And the adults are uh, able to take the same certifications. Uh, They go through the same educational program as the kids do. In some cases, depending upon the club, the uh, kids and the adults ride together. It just depends on the demographics and the age groupings and the levels in uh, the club, how those ride, how that works out. So, yeah, it was very beneficial we didn't have that one. My girls were riding and I was involved at the local level, but my girls and I always took lessons together anyway, because that was the most affordable way for me to do it. Mm-hmm. We would have a group lesson. That's awesome. Do you guys, does the um, pony club offer any scholarships, whether it's to participate or to, as they graduate and go on to college? There are scholarships available. Um, I believe they've just completed the application process and are reviewing. I think that we have, I think there are at least 10 to 12 scholarships that are available. Some are uh, are for specific schools and others are actually just dollar amounts to help them towards what they're doing. In addition to that, um, we have an internet. We we participate in international exchanges with uh, Pony Club International Alliance, and we have exchanges where our our teams go to other countries. We had a show jumping team that uh, went to New Zealand this year, and uh, won there. And they're coming to us next year for during our festival year. And I'm trying to remember. I think they're going to be doing quiz, but. I'm not 100% positive that's what that is. That is so cool. And that's great that they are offered the opportunity to, to, to travel internationally and experience that more than, you know, more than just showing internationally, but just experiencing different cultures. Absolutely. So Jennifer, if any of the listeners want to learn more about Pony Club, where can they go check it out or find a Pony Club facility near them? They can go to ponyclub.org. And that will take them to our website. Um, and from that website, they can locate region, the area that they're in and clubs in, and uh, regions that are local to them or where they might want to participate at. They can also contact the national office. Phone numbers on the um, Pony Club website. Awesome. And we'll include that information in our show notes as well. So everybody has that easy access. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. You bet. Thank you so much for having me. The 2023 Equine Economic Impact Study is now live. Help the horse industry by doing your part in participating. Help fight for green space and public lands. Help pinpoint areas of growth in the industry to foster while identifying the gaps that need attention. Help strengthen and protect America's horse industry for years to come. Participate now in the 2023 American Horse Council's Economic Impact Study through September 29th. Our second guest is representing Amplify Horse Racing. Amplify Horse Racing is a 501c3 organization that is dedicated to amplifying thoroughbred industry education, mentorship, and career opportunities for youth and young adults. Amplify welcomes newcomers, collaborates with existing educational initiatives, and creates new resources to lead the thoroughbred industry into the future. Because after all, thoroughbred racing is not just a sport of kings, it is a sport for everyone. 
Originally from Fargo, North Dakota, Anise Montplaisir is the executive director of Amplify Horse Racing. She is an alumna of North Dakota State University, and she's completed internships with Fasig Tipton, Keelan, and Mill Ridge Farm before she was accepted into the prestigious Godolphin Flying Start program. Her professional background includes project managing for global networking organization Together for Horse Racing International, co-hosting Hipica TV's Spanish coverage of the Breeders' Cup program in 2021 and 2022, as well as producing and co-hosting the Spanish-language online horse racing program La Trifecta with America's Best Horse Racing. Montplaisir served a two-year term as the Equine Education Coordinator of the Kentucky Equine Education Project Foundation before she assumed the role of Executive Director for Amplify Horse Racing, which she co-founded in 2019. Anise, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited for this. Definitely. And Anise, you have such a great background when it comes to horse racing. And I remember when you had first reached out to me when you came out to um, what is now Horseshoe Indianapolis in Shelbyville, Indiana, the racetrack there about Amplify. I thought it was a really cool program. And I thought it was something that was definitely needed because too often we've seen that horse racing was, you know, the sport of Kings and it was for those that were rich and, and to try to encourage some of the more, some of the younger people to get, to be a part of it and and all was something that was desperately needed. So for those who might not be familiar with Amplify Horse Racing, can you explain a little bit about that program and about, you know, how people can join yeah. So the time that you mentioned when I was at um, Horseshoe Indianapolis and we were able to meet up, I was actually working on a different project. So Amplify still would have been very okay. much like an itty bitty idea. And I remember talking to you about it, but it would have been in its very infant stages at that time. So it's crazy to look back at that <laughs> and now where we are now, which is, you know, having grown significantly in a relatively short period of time. So to boil it down, Amplify is a nonprofit to get youth and young adults involved in the thoroughbred industry. So, you know, for many years, the horse racing industry or the thoroughbred industry has been around for, for a very long time, uh, but we never really had a centralized body for youth involvement and education and recruitment and showcasing pathways. We've had lots of fantastic individual organizations that are doing great things, but we wanted to be or provide a first step for a young person that is just exploring the industry, is very new, and doesn't know where to go. So they come to Amplify first. We have some awesome initiatives and programs to get them started on that journey. And then we seek to amplify existing programs that are out there. So I'd say our signature program at this stage, we have a mentorship program that's for 15 to 25 year olds. And that really is geared towards very newcomers. So we prioritize in the application process, those who are newer to the industry while still sometimes accepting uh, mentees who've been in the industry for a couple of years or sort of dabbled, I'll say. And then based on their interests or prior experiences and also considering geographic proximity, we pair them up with a industry mentor who will work with them over the course of three months to start 
developing an educational and training plan and helping that young person figure out what is next. So it's a national program. We offer it to uh, you know youth and young adults in the U.S., U.S. territories, and Canada. So it's pretty widely accessible, and it's a hybrid program. So we do pr- try to pair mentees with mentors that are close to them, ideally mm-hmm. in the same stage, or they might have the opportunity to meet up in person, but they can work together virtually as well. So we try to have as much flexibility in that as possible. You know, we do behind the scenes racetrack tours, farm tours. Uh, we've continued to work with the Kentucky Equine Education Project Foundation here in Lexington. Uh, as we work to expand nationally, we really want to establish some state industry partners that already have a great handle on education and workforce in those states. And again, with the mission of amplifying their programming and bringing more youth into the industry. So that is a little bit about us. We still have a lot of growing to do, but hopefully someday we can be almost like the thoroughbred version of the American Quarter Horse Youth Association. I really look up to them as a great example for how to get youth involved. Yeah, they do a fantastic job. Um, Tell me a little bit about if someone's interested in being part of the program, is there a cost to them or do you guys underwrite that um, and have grants or scholarships or other things to, to help, you know, the financial end of the perspective? For the mentorship program, there is no cost involved for mentors or mentees. So mentors can apply anytime throughout the year. Uh, mentees, we cover the cost of that by applying for grants and from you know seeking out donations. Um, you know, we have some other programs that we do charge for. Like this summer, we're going to have some behind the scenes. Well, for several years, we've done some pretty impactful behind the scenes uh, Saratoga tours that are really focused on careers. Those do involve a small cost. So it depends on the program, but we really try to keep it as affordable and accessible as possible. And any track partner with you guys? Is is it open to all types of tracks? Yep. At this point, you know, we're really open to partnerships, I guess. And in terms of formal partnerships, um, our supporters include Keeneland and Churchill Downs. So two tracks here in Kentucky. You know, we have a a partnership with the New York Racing Association through our tours that we put on there in collaboration with Naira. And then NYTHA is the New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association. And this year, since it's really our our first year having, you know, a person at the helm of Amplify, having full-time employees, so it's me and one other employee, it's really a year of exploration. So meeting with educators, meeting with different industry leaders, potential industry partners and figuring out, you know, what resources do we really need to create going forward that's going to be the most purposeful and impactful on a broad scale with, um, I don't want to say minimal resources, but, you know, I will never be able to be at every track everywhere. So how (laughs) do we create things that are easy to scale and expand and offer in a variety of places and can impact a wide range of youth? That's awesome. And of course, when we're talking about, you know, different careers and everything in the horse racing industry, you are not only talking about, you know, 
the ones that you see on TV, the trainer, the jockey, um, but you're also, you know, introducing, you know, the valets, you're, you know, talking to people who run the marketing and in the handicappers and, and, uh, you know, the tellers and all that stuff. So you really through Amplify, you guys are really showing the inside and outside of the horse racing industry as it pertains to where you could find your niche, correct? Yeah, definitely. And that's something that's always been important to me. And I think that goal of ours is sort of reflective of, you know, many young people that come into the industry, myself included, they just, they see those careers that you mentioned, you know, jockey, trainer, veterinarian. I started out wanting to be a veterinarian and then I wanted to be a jockey once I became really interested in the industry and there are so many careers beyond that. So really showcasing to young people that, you know, have a look at your skills and what you enjoy. Do you like working with numbers? Are you an excellent communicator? Do you want to work outside? Do you want to be hands-on with horses? And, you know, putting those things together and then figuring out what avenue in the industry you want to pursue. So one thing I, I've always found really fun, I, I personally am really fascinated with uh, racetrack surfaces, maintenance mm-hmm. and technology. You know, it's a huge, a very visual element of the industry because safety should always be at the forefront. And a lot of that is, you know, the racing surface itself. And so a lot of youth are really fascinated when some of our tours will include Uh, a visit out to the turf course to learn about turf course maintenance. And even hearing about the, you know, the different technology that they use to test the, the root strength of the track and how impactful having a fungus on the turf can be. And that all comes down to a really specialized set of people to be able to do that. And even being able to operate a tractor or, you know, drive a water truck. All of those are really specialized skills that not just anybody could rock up and do. Yeah, that's true. And of course, you know, racetrack um, integrity and everything is at the forefront, especially right now. So that, yeah, I never thought about that kind of stuff, but definitely horticulturists and all those that love to get, you know, those green thumb, not me, I don't have a green thumb, but those of that do, you know, they would, that would be a great, great um, outlet for them. Yeah. And even, you know, around here, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. And so you drive through, you know, as soon as you get out of Lexington, you see this, you know, the quintessential Kentucky rolling pastures and fences, all of those farms need to have grounds crew, like a a maintenance staff to be able to replace fences, uh, mow thousands of miles sometimes of grass, plant flowers, and be able to keep these farms as perfectly manicured as they are. So all of those, all skills are required in this industry in different capacities. Now, Anise, what is your demographic, what have you seen for demographics so far as with Amplify as you guys are getting going? Are you seeing a lot more Um, Are you seeing a lot more women than men or how do you see the, how do you see it all shaping up right now for participation? I think with our mentorship program, it's been pretty 50, 50 between men and women. A lot of our in-person programs have been probably 
primarily late high school, early college women. Uh, last year, we piloted a, a children's program called Amplify Junior, and that's something uh, we'll have an event for that later this year, and it's a program that we want to pick up again in the future. So it was geared towards uh, children 12 and under and their families, uh, and that was a great mix of people. It really depends on the program itself. Um, you know, we've had... Uh, one to say we've had mentees at this point from 17 different states or territories. So coming from a wide variety of states, uh, a lot of times we will have um, youth that just have a general equine interest and just want to explore the thoroughbred industry, which is great. And, you know, for all of our programming, a mission of mine is you know, at, at the highest level, the greatest ambition would, would be for them to leave our programs wanting to pursue a career in this industry. At the most basic level, I want them to leave having a better understanding and a positive impression of it. Oh, definitely. So, you know, there's a lot more outreach that, um, that we need to do. Um, but at the stage that we're at, which is still relatively new, I'm, I, I like that we've brought in a broad variety of youth. So if somebody wants to learn more about Amplify or apply for one of the opportunities that you have, where do they go to, to learn more about that? So our website is AmplifyHorseRacing.org. And especially for the mentorship program, navigate on over to the mentorship page, which has all of the details of what goes into the program. Our application for the fall mentorship session actually opens on June 1st. So that is coming up soon. That's really exciting. Again, mentors can apply at any time. They can also go to the same page and find the application. But really social media. So we're on Instagram at Amplify Horse Racing, Facebook at Amplify Horse Racing, and then Twitter at Amplify Racing. And that's where we're most active in sharing a lot of our programs. We actually... We're in the process of um, developing a whole new website, which is really exciting and also a, a monumental project <laughs> that I could not have imagined when we got into it. So our current website is sort of in a in like a holding pattern right now because the new one is going to be launching hopefully by the end of July, if not the beginning of August. So that's going to have an awesome calendar of events and blogs and um, a job board, which I'm really pumped about. So there'll that's be exciting. more about that going forward and all sorts of good stuff. So that's where they can find us. Well, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing that and uh, look more in the show notes for details about how to reach out to her or learn more about Amplify Horse Racing. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you, Megan, for having me on. This is awesome. Thanks, Denise. We appreciate it. These have been some great uh, conversations so far. The American Horse Council has a youth engagement task force, which consists of about 20 different organizations. Our objective with that task force is to collaborate and to share resources and talk about what we can do to get more youth involved in our industry. And at our upcoming conference, we're going to hear a presentation from that task force. And they recently completed an Ag Educator Survey, and we're going to be looking at the survey results and figuring out what are some new resources that we could offer to ag educators to get more kids engaged in the youth uh, aspects of our industry. That'll be really interesting to kind of to hear on that and and see how how that has really um, 
really evolved. Yeah, and I'll just throw one other little tidbit in here, uh, uh, Megan. You probably know this, but I do a lot of public speaking to talk mm-hmm. about all the things we work on at the American Horse Council, and that includes youth groups, capstone classes at universities, and I recently was at uh, the National Collegiate Horsemen's Association uh, to speak to their audience, and just fascinating to see these young people getting out there and thinking about how to get engaged in the industry. There's so many more youth groups related to the horse industry today than there were when I was when I was a kid. It's so it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to see these youth groups and and associations really kind of stretch out and learn that, you know, the youth are the future of the industry. And if we want the horse industry to continue growing and to continue improving, we have to go to our younger generation. So I hope everybody's kind of taken some um, taken some inspiration from our two guests, Jennifer and Anise. And, you know, if you've got young ones or if you are a young one, you look into joining them. And I'm just going to lead us into our final segment, which is we're going to hear from um, one of our colleagues at the American Horse Council. Mm -hmm. She's going to be talking about the recent youth fly-in. So you're talking about educating youth. We're talking about not only educating youth, but creating advocates out of youth. So we ask them to come to Washington and go up on up on the Hill and go into the House and the Senate offices and meet with their congressional members and talk about our industry and try to help them understand more about our industry. And continuing on our theme for this episode, Youth Are the Future, we have Bridget Shea with us. Bridget is our government affairs liaison at the American Horse Council, and she recently spearheaded a youth fly-in event uh, in Washington, D.C. We had some wonderful... Uh, uh, individuals come to D.C. and go into congressional offices and talk about our issues and some of our challenges in the industry. And then there's a couple of pieces of legislation that are sort of youth related that I've asked Bridget to say a few words about. So, Bridget, welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me this afternoon. So tell us a little bit about the youth flying, Bridget. What what were your big takeaways from that? And, and, and what lessons did you learn? <laughs> what do you think uh, the youth learn? <laughs> um, I will begin by saying I have done fly-ins for small family business owners and for CEOs. And I came to this with, I, I was a little nervous about how this would go. And these students hit it out of the park. They were amazing. We had 17 students from American Quarter Horse Association, the National Reigning Horse Association, and the Metropolitan Equestrian Team. And they visited 33 offices, um, House members, and Senate. They also had briefings from the American Veterinary Medical Association the American Equine Practitioners, USDA. And um, we gathered them together in the morning. We went over our issue briefs with them. They had insightful questions, um, uh, very good comments, that they were professional. And um, I I was just really proud of uh, of the effort they put out Uh, I know some of them followed up with thank you notes and they got thank you notes from congressional staffers for their thank you notes, which is virtually unheard of. (laughs) Um, And they they were just fantastic. They took it in a very serious manner. Uh, A couple of them were um, repeats. They had done it before. The youngest one, I believe, was in eighth grade. And I was told by one of the sponsors 
she went to the first meeting and she was pretty quiet and she introduced herself and took it all in. And then the next office they went to, bang, she was she was off and running and was um, talking about some of our, our issues that we had prepped them on. And the issues were somewhat complicated and they, they just absorbed them like sponges. So they talked about tax measures for racehorses. They talked about um, elimination, eliminating the death tax for family businesses, which is really important. I mean, these some of these young students will hope to inherit their parents' businesses, and they have to have the the, the financial wherewithal to do that. Definitely. Um, they also tackled the uh, PAST Act, which is a measure to prevent um, all soaring tactics on horses. They talked about climate smart agriculture. And um, xylazine, which is a um, animal sedative that is being abused um, by drug traffickers, and, and uh, the Congress is looking to put more restrictions on it. They 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 talked about that, and it's it's their cohorts that are are suffering from 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 the effects of this drug. So it really hit home. So anyhow, it it was fantastic. I was I was very happy and. Um, I, I think they were as well. Well, thanks, Bridget. I, I thought they were a great uh, group of, of young people uh, and very polished and articulate and just really professional and, and did a did a super, super job. So thank you for, for spearheading that. Now, let's talk about some youth-related legislation. Um, don't typically see a lot of this, but there's a couple of things sort of floating around out there that I thought would be of interest to our audience. Yes, I'm going to start with um, the first one that was recently introduced. It's called the Living Schoolyards Act of 2023, and it is um, a, a bill that 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 has a um, a very simple premise, and that is to replace some of the hardscapes that you find in schoolyards with trees and grass, and and just make it more inviting for the students to um, basically interact with nature and, um, and, and and including having outdoor learning areas. And the, the bill is, is is really well done. There's a, there was a lot of background research that went into it, um, including this, which I'm just going to read from the bill. The amount of time the average American child spends outdoors is in constant decline. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, Children ages 8 through 18 now spend an average of 7.5 hours per day on front of a screen. So I think anything that can separate these kids from the screen, fresh air, exercise is, is fantastic. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a grant program that, that will issue grants from $25,000 to $100,000 to remove payment, add pavement, add shade trees, and... Uh, set up recreation and learning experiences outside. And I also have to compliment the um, the senator who introduced it, Senator Heinrich from New Mexico. There's also a set aside for sovereign nations, Indian reservations, which I think when we all think about Indian reservations, we think, oh, they're out there, they're, they're in rural areas or lovely. Well, a lot of them are on the West in, in Midwest and in plain states, and no, there aren't a lot of trees, and there's not a lot of softscape for those kids. So I, I, 
I was very impressed with that. So we'll, we'll see. It's it's new. Um, money's kind of tight this Congress, but we are we're going to hope that it it moves forward with bipartisan support. So, Bridget, I'm excited about that particular piece because I recently heard a local uh, school administrator talking about putting in um, school gardens and other types of softscape, which would also expose youth to agriculture and those kinds of things. So I yes. think it, it's a positive thing, uh, not only from the you know health and welfare of the young people, but also exposing them to some things that they might not otherwise have the opportunity to to, to be around. I, I do too. I think it's 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 um, maybe growing some vegetables and and just getting your hands dirty and, and getting away from the screen and and out into some fresh air. And I think some of this, even though the bill doesn't reference it, might have been how schools managed during the COVID, where they started having classes outside, and suddenly they realized that kids were paying attention, they enjoyed it. So why not try to? institutionalize those lessons learned from COVID and make something positive come out of it. Great. Thanks, Bridget. What's the other one you've got on your list? The other bill is is a uh, uh, repeat. We've seen it before, and um, we're hoping that this time it it moves through the House and the Senate. It was introduced by Senator Thune from South Dakota, and it is a measure that would allow families or individual taxpayers to use up to $1,000 from their health accounts or $2,000 for married couples toward fitness expenses. Um, because as, as the Senator Thune says, it's it's important um, on so many levels for, for physical fitness. Um, right now, the United States is, is certainly having an um, obesity epidemic problem. And um, even a modest amount of exercise is going to have many benefits for mental health, physical health, and um, it, it's not a lot of money. It's it's basically a tax measure, and it would cover any expense that is exclusively for the sole purpose of participating in a recreational activity. So horseback riding is an activity, and the riding gear that that would be covered under this measure should it go forward and and become law. Yeah, I think the important thing about that one, Bridget, is for people to understand it doesn't cover riding lessons. It right. covers riding equipment. So helmets and boots and other things that the equestrian might need in order to participate in those types of events. Right. And, and, and we all know helmets cost a, a fair amount of money. And it's one thing you don't want to scrimp on. You want, <laughs> you want good headgear for your for yourself and for your family members. So it's it's it, it's a good concept. And, and again, it's 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 using the tax system um, that we pay into to take something back for individual use and individual benefit. Great. Thanks, Bridget. And of course, we'll have um, information on these two bills in the show notes that everybody can access access along with the show and and all. And Bridget, how would you recommend that people, if they like the sound of these two bills or or any other bills that maybe are are discussed, how would you recommend they show their support? Um, well, they can get the information from us if, if they come in to um, our website and um, go to info at horsecouncil.org. We can send them the, the language or they can look it up on their own. And then contact their their congressional de- delegation and tell them to to co-sponsor it and um, see if we can get some momentum behind both of them. 
definitely that is really important that those that grassroots you know promotion and and getting in touch with your with your local legislators thank you so much bridget Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about the United States Pony Club or Amplify Horse Racing, take a look at the show notes or you can look them up online. We encourage you to follow the American Horse Council on social media and look into becoming a member to help support your beloved industry locally and nationally. You can subscribe to Horses in the Morning on any podcast player and find all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And Glenn and Jamie will be back tomorrow. And thank you guys so much for joining us. And I want to thank Glenn and Megan and all of our guests today. And as we always like to say when we close, hashtag here for horses. Here for horses. horses. <laughs>